Culture. Klaus Schwab, the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, wrote in an opinion piece, Talent versus Capital in the 21st Century, in 2015. He wrote, when financial policymakers attempt to promote economic growth, they almost invariably focus on looking for new ways to unleash capital. But although this approach may have worked in the past, it risks giving short shrift to the role that talent plays in generating and realising the ideas that make growth possible. Indeed, in a future of rapid technological change and widespread automation, the determining factor or crippling limit to innovation, competitiveness and growth is less likely to be the availability of capital than the existence of a skilled workforce. Uniquely human skills, like being able to work in teams, manage relationships and understand cultural sensitivities will become vital for businesses across all sectors and must become a core component of future generations' education. Moreover, Klaus Schwab made this provocative assertion at the opening of the 2013 event in Davos. He said, capital is being superseded by creativity and the ability to innovate, and therefore by human talents, as the most important factors of production. Just as capital replaced manual trades during the process of industrialization, capital is now giving way to human talent. Talentism is the new capitalism, is his view. Growth through culture. As Jim Heskett, who is the co-author of The Service Profit Chain, which was the topic of a recent TBS think piece, reminded us in his Omnicom University yellow page, strategy is hard, culture is soft. The success of a strategy can be measured, while that of a culture cannot. To change an organisation's culture requires a long time. All of these assertions are, appear, are appearing with increasing frequency in the business media, and all of them are essentially wrong. What is closer to reality is that culture is not soft. The impact of culture on profit and long-term competitive success can be quantified. With the proper leadership, a culture change can be engineered in months, not years. Culture is an enabler of an effective strategy. It makes the leadership and management of change easier and faster. An effective culture is built around several important phenomena. One, a set of values and behaviours that are shared by all members of an organisation. Two, measures that prompt action when individuals are not living by the shared code of the values and behaviours. Three, Staffing that seeks and hires only talented individuals with the right attitude, that is, one in tune with values and behaviours, as well as diversity that fosters learning, innovation and adaptability to change. Four, policies that encourage curiosity, sharing of ideas with clients and other organisations and boundaryless behaviours, as he says. Five, Organisations built around teams that encourage idea transfer as well as peer-based training, recognition and self-management. Six, practices such as mentoring, benchmarking against other organisations, best practice sharing and learning and team-based community service, which is particularly relevant to millennial populations. All of this takes time, often more time than required to implement a new strategy. But I believe 
Think of culture as a strategy in itself, one that is less visible, one that provides competitive advantage over a longer period of time. The model really does start with people. It is centred on the leaders. People around them watch leaders, make important decisions about people. They watch to see whether they comport themselves in a manner suggested by the organisation's shared values and behaviours. As Lou Gerstner, the chairman and CEO, or former chairman and CEO of IBM, said, I came to see in my time at IBM that culture isn't just one aspect of the game, it is the game. If the CEO isn't living and preaching the culture and isn't doing it consistently, then it just doesn't happen. Tony Shea, who was the former CEO of Zappos.com, said, our belief is that if you get the culture right, most of the other stuff, like great customer service, or building a great long-term brand, or passionate employees and customers, will happen naturally on its own. Financial indicators tell us what happened in the past. Lag indicators, in other words. Jim goes on to say, in, in his written piece, in parallel, it's valuable to track non-financial lead indicators, which include retention of and referrals by employees return on, on labour, that is productivity, and relationships with clients. The four R's, the cultural impact model, which are high levels of trust are associated with higher job satisfaction and employee loyalty, and the ownership that produces or delivers more ideas for better ways of doing business. He also mentions high levels of trust and job satisfaction are associated with higher productivity that produces higher profit. All of the above are reflected in and a reflection of higher client satisfaction and loyalty, lower rates of client defections, a greater frequency of new client referrals by current clients, a behaviour of clients who become owners, which leads to higher profits automatically. Some operational questions organisations should consider. One, does my organisation have a shared set of values and behaviours that are clearly understood? Are the behaviours measured and included in job evaluations? Two, do we hire only those talented people who subscribe to the values and behaviours? Three, do our policies encourage curiosity, sharing of ideas and boundaryless behaviour as I mentioned earlier? Four, to what extent do we hire, train and organise in teams of diverse members? Five, do we benchmark and engage in best practice sharing? Six, what steps am I taking to ensure that our employees trust their leaders? Seven, because trust starts with leaders, do they deliver on what they say they'll do? Eight, do I keep in mind our shared values and behaviours when I think about what things to do and how to do them. Responses to these and other questions may provide a way of predicting the future, effectiveness of an organisation's culture, the ease with which managers change and its future profitability. The impact of culture on performance can be measured. Culture can account for up to half of the difference in operating profit between two organisations in the same business. Let me say that again. Culture can account for half of the difference in operating profit between two organisations in the same business. Cultures formed by themselves, with or without leadership. A strong culture can help or hurt performance.
In my view, shaping a culture is one of the leader's most important jobs. It can be ignored, but only for so long and at one's peril. In further support of Jim's convictions, here's some thoughts on enemies of effective cultures. Inconsistent leadership behaviour. Ineffective measurement and action. Arrogance born of pride and success. Too rapid growth. Too little growth. Non-organic growth. Frequent leadership turnover. Some symptoms of the need for a change. Hiring people with wrong motives and attitudes. Poor sense of mission, values and behaviours. Constant planning and replanning. Inability to identify a coherent, realistic strategy. Frequent reorganisation. Leadership turnover. Politicisation rising to bureaucracy. Inability to make timely decisions. To the earlier point surrounding staff satisfaction and loyalty, the fundamental tenets of the service profit chain, if you know with some certainty what that is today, you can predict tomorrow's client satisfaction and loyalty and ultimately future sustainable profitability. Hence the importance of the voice survey, which we've just completed. For example, other fundamental operational intelligence I regularly seek out when looking at businesses. I look at voluntary and involuntary staff turnover, holiday and sick leave, staff utilisation, recruitment expenditure, leadership aptitudes and practices evaluations, performance management summaries, and HBDI thinking profiles. I offer this culture commentary from learned practitioners, those who have studied and written extensively on company cultures, having observed firms big and small across the world. I'm reminded of our precious culture having just completed our annual voice staff engagement survey. Without waiting for the results, I know you all have said we're doing an exemplary job on culture. Based on positive responses from several years ago, that's the reason Anna and her thoughtful team actually set up the Culture Hub. Though as a counterpoint, based on my recent study in this area, my observation, some businesses here in the Philippines know they are lacking in a few areas Jim has highlighted, which I talked of earlier. The good thing is, they are increasingly doing more surrounding culture. Why? The C-suite, their boards, and importantly, their staff, are demanding of concerted action from operational management. In closing, always remember our differentiating value proposition. Culture is our strategy. In support, vision without execution is hallucination. And did I mention observation plus imagination equals innovation? Channeling Leo da Vinci. As Chewy will recall, back in November 2017, when we talked through our enduring conviction, there was a palpable positive reaction to our opening presentation containing the words that I just talked through. As I often say, a compelling vision is not what it says, it's what it does. Have a great day.